Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're sitting down with Tracy Mitchell. Tracy is the Executive Vice President of CWIMA, Christian Women in Media Association, a media organization training people in every sector of media, and she's the founder and CEO of Thrive Conference. As one of the nation's leading Bible teacher and conference speakers, Tracy travels 40 plus weeks a year speaking to diverse and cross-cultural groups internationally. In this episode, Tracy will unpack important leadership lessons from her newest book, Fearless, Wildly Optimistic in a Worry-Filled World. So lean in, leaders, and let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another podcast, Avail. We talk about the art of leadership with amazing leaders, authors, pastors, communicators, people who are making an impact in this world. And today is not going to disappoint. We are sitting down with none other than Tracy Mitchell. Tracy, it is an honor to have you on the Avail podcast. We're going to talk your book. We're going to talk fearless. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about how God is using your life. How does it feel to be on the Avail podcast? Oh, hey, hey, it is awesome. I am so excited about um, exploring these topics with you. I listen to the podcast often. It is a blessing to me, and I hope today will be a blessing right back. I love it. It is going to be a blessing. And personally, I just, I just, have, I just have this thing, Tracy, I love uh, women who are leading well and leading with confidence mm-hmm. and making an impact. So I love these conversations. I'm excited. Before we jump in, uh, well, we're going to kind of focus in on on the heart of your book, Fearless, Wildly Optimistic in a Worry-Filled word, World. I think it's going to impact no matter what age, men, women, younger, older, this is going to be a, a book and a message that's going to impact everybody. Before we jump into that, can you share a little bit about yourself, who you are, your journey, and where you are now? Sure, absolutely. Um, oh, I've been married to my husband, Robbie, for 27 years. Together, we have four adult children. And I know everyone says this about their grandchildren, but we have seven amazing, beautiful, talented uh, grandchildren. I have been traveling in full-time ministry for mm, at least a um, 25 years now, travel about 40 weeks a year. I am a published author with HarperCollins and Thomas Nelson and the executive vice president of a ministry organization, Media Base, uh, that meets um, every other month in 16 major U.S. cities and countless countries around the world, all of which means you can find me in an airport, a rental car, <laughs> a hotel, some far out of the way spot, but I love my life and absolutely just, I wouldn't trade it for anything, truly. I love that. I love that. And, and you know, it, when, when I when I met you and, and as I've read a little bit about kind of your journey, um, I think I think the title of your book is a great mm-hmm. title. And I think it's something that it's a message that God has put in your heart. So let's let's just kind of dive into fearless for all, all of you avail listeners and viewers. Fearless is the title of the book. Wildly optimistic in a worry filled world. Um, can you just share your passion uh, of why you wrote this book and the passion behind Fearless. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Fearless was actually created to be a, a secondary supplemental journey 
um, journal to a book that we had written before, and it was Becoming Brave, How to Think Big, Dream Wildly, and Live Fear-Free. And and so this uh, book on Becoming Brave was enormously successful. And to that, people kept coming back and saying, look, hey, can you write something else on the topic of courage? And um, this was largely the response from pastors and leaders and CEOs. And um, they wanted to know how to turn their pain into something purposeful, how to transform something like fear again into something meaningful. Hmm. And this was especially true uh, post the pandemic era, where the way that we had internalized fear, the way we've been taught to internalize fear, had radically um, shifted. Because as we know, prior to the pandemic, leaders had been taught and trained to, if you were successful at all, that you would live above the fray of fear. And then somehow we learned to lean in and take a very different look at fear and what that meant and how we would not only lead ourselves, but how we would lead those um, who followed us. And I think we really had to disconstruct this illusion of what courage was, mm-hmm. because it was an illusion at best. And again, stepping back and saying, look, how do we lead not from this mentality that if we're successful, we'll live above it, but how do we actually lead through it? And I found that most people just don't wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to be Superman or Superwoman today. I'm going to be boldly courageous and live this audacious life. But life pushes them into places that they have no choice but to live courageous lives. And again, um, the pandemic forced leaders of, of, of every caliber, mm-hmm. small leaders, midsize, large range, to step back and take a, a harsh, candid look at our relationship with fear and to evaluate if how we're processing, internalizing, and navigating through fear was actually authentic and if it was beneficial in any way. And so again, um, our book was designed to help leaders take something like fear and turn it into fuel. Take fear, Hmm. turn it into fuel. And I think the ability to navigate that separates those who are nominal leaders to those who are actually agents of change in our culture. I love that. I think this is such a relevant subject because the truth is, as humans, we all deal with some kind of fear, uh, eventually. And, uh, and it's important to understand. I love taking fear and, and turning it into fuel. I love yeah. that concept. Now, now I read something that was interesting. Uh, world champion bull rider, Scott Mendes said that if one reads fearless, that they will be uncomfortable with mediocre living, <laughs> that they will never <laughs> look at life the same way again. As a result, the reader will be in a position to conquer the beast in their mm-hmm. life. So I guess you know, taking that that quote uh, from Scott Mendez in today's culture, what would you say, Tracy, is the leading beast that leaders have? Uh, they must conquer to be fearless and to yeah. be wildly optimistic. Yeah, there there are so many beasts, but I think the one that we have to reconcile um, is the beast of internalizing rejection. If we're to turn that fear into fuel, then we have to reframe mm-hmm. uh, the perspective of how we're looking at rejection. In my first book, Downside Up, Embracing Rejection as Life's Golden Opportunity, I talked about how we had to plow through the roadblocks. I mean, literally knock them down mm-hmm. um, in order to gain a healthy perspective of how rejection 
rejection was designed by God to work for rather than against us because rejection isn't about loss. And again, there are household name leaders that still haven't reconciled that truth, Mm. that rejection was never intended to be about loss, but rejection was intended to be a point of discovery. And again, understanding that one principle that it's not about loss, but about discovery um, will change how we react, how we interpret and how we respond to rejection. Um, And it will determine whether rejection paralyzes us or actually leads us to a greater purpose. You know, I can't even think of all the hours that I've spent with Mm -hmm. leaders um, who depleted their energy, who exhausted all of their resources, trying to fit people or situations into their future who weren't even qualified for their now. I mean, they were hitting their head against a proverbial wall because they were trying their best in in an effort to be um, rejection avoidant. They kept Mm -hmm. trying to fit people in situations again into their future who didn't even qualify Mm -hmm. for their now. And I think that's what made biblical Joseph, if we can just draw from him for a second, Mm -hmm. such a formidable leader because he refused to internalize rejection to the point of self-destruction, right? We all experience, we Mm -hmm. have multiple multiple touch points with rejection, but he chose to look at the macro imprint. Okay, what is God wanting to do with rejection through me? And it is the rare leader that can step back in the face and pain of rejection and say, look, let's not just look at this through the the micro tunnel Mm -hmm. of how it's affecting me, but what's the big picture? What's the macro picture of how God can use something as seemingly as lethal as rejection and use it to my advantage? And I think some of the most impressionable words, not just in the Bible, but throughout all of history, as Joseph said, this evil that my brother brothers meant against me. Mm. This personalization of rejection, it wasn't secondary. It wasn't from an enemy. It was from his family unit. This evil, he called it what it was, of rejection that was meant to derail me and stop me. He, he, he zoomed out and caught the macro picture of how God took the evil meant against him and how God would use rejection channeled through him to save a nation. And that is the place that we as leaders, that is the ultimate beast that we have to reconcile is the internalization of rejection. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, I can't help but think how many people have this wall in front of them called rejection and they haven't been able they haven't figured out how to navigate it or mm-hmm. they've just accepted it as something that 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 has to mm-hmm. hold them back. Uh and I think the example of Joseph is great because uh you know, I think I think it also says in Genesis what the enemy meant for for yeah. evil, you know, God yes. turned around. And that's something that could be very freeing, you know, for anybody, mm-hmm. not to mention yeah. leaders. Um, this is good. I, you know, another another issue that we deal a lot with in leadership, um, Tracy, you know, here on Avail, we, we, we're, we're aiming at Christian leaders, uh, pastors, people that are leading in ministry and in the marketplace. And another thing that we, that we carry, another weight we carry, especially in today's world that, that looks one way today and a different way tomorrow yeah. is the concept of just making critical, important decisions. Uh, how can, how can leaders cultivate the right mindset to, to navigate effectively, you know, complex situations, but yet make some well-informed decisions? 
Yeah, I it's it matters so much. You know, I think we as leaders, I'll speak for myself, and if it's okay, I'll share a personal story mm-hmm. on that. Um, I think we have gut intuition, maybe a more palatable word or spiritualized word is discernment. But our gut, our discernment, we know what's right. We intuitively often know the answer. We know the solution. But we pull back because we can't maybe formulate a business plan or business model that parallels or that justifies that that gut intuition. I'll give you an, an, an example of I was in my late 20s, probably I was I mean, so green, so young. And I had a talent company call me from the West Coast and they asked for me to fly into Dallas and to meet with me. And I had no idea what they what they wanted. I made multiple mistakes. I didn't literally lean into it and pray wholeheartedly. Mm. I didn't take a mentor. I didn't take my executive team or my board. And so I was so excited. And so I walked into that room with this uh, media talent company and they told me everything that my insecure heart ever wanted to hear. Mm. They said, I believe in you. We trust you, you're unique, you're special, you're talented, all the things my insecure, troubled heart needed to hear. Mm. And as we sat in that in that um, office suite for hours, full circle, by the end of the time we were to leave, unexpectedly, they took and they placed a contract in one hand and a gold pen in the other. And they said, we believe in you so much that we're going to take our money and we're going to put it behind you. Not thousands of dollars, but it was a multi-million dollar Mm. contract. And again, I'd never had an experience like that. They said, we're going to put you on prime time, air exposure. We'll create a call center. We'll hire a ghostwriter. We'll do all the things, whatever you want. You name it. Here's our offer. And as they're pushing that contract in my hand and the gold pen, they're sitting there smiling. I'm smiling. I'm excited. They're excited. And then all of a sudden, I heard this internal voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he said, Tracy, this deal isn't for you. Mm. And, and I froze. And I, I, began, I began to rebuke the voice. I didn't know if it was the enemy or my internal <laughs> insecurity. But I knew it was. It couldn't be the voice of God because this is what we had prayed for. It's what we had dreamed for and sacrificed and sown for. And then I heard the voice again. If you sign this, at some point, it will cost you a measure of your anointing. And I said, this can't be real. And I stared at them, and I didn't have enough courage to say no, but I feared God too much to say yes. Mm -hmm. And I took that contract, and I got in my hand, and I began the five-hour drive home with tears falling off my face, hitting my lap in the steering wheel. And I'm telling you, Pastor, I was mad. I was mad at myself. I was mad at them. I was borderline mad at God. I was mad at, at my colleagues across town who were able to take a similar deal. And it took months. I mean, it's one thing if you have offers left and right. It's one thing if your calendar is full, but what about when there's nothing on the horizon Mm -hmm. and you're making decisions off nothing but discernment, right? You can't justify the decision on Mm -hmm. paper. And it took almost a year before I learned that God would never ask me to walk away from something in this season if there wasn't something extravagantly greater in a future season. And looking back, hindsight 2020, I can see that I could have easily at a young age fallen into a pit that was so deep. I could have never climbed out into a trap that was so secure. I would have never pried myself free. And I learned that sometimes the trap that the enemy sets isn't um, evil. It isn't necessarily evil or wrong or bad. It's just convenient. 
And it would take many seasons until that full circle moment would come back around. And three or four years later, I awakened and saw that God had given me everything and some that the company had been offering me, but with no strings attached. And so I learned at an early age to go with my internal gut, go with the voice, the whisper, the discernment of the Holy Mm. Spirit. And it doesn't matter if I can pair that on paper or not. It doesn't matter if it makes a perfect clear cut business plan or business deal on paper. But at some point as leaders, we have to go with what the Holy Spirit is saying. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a good word for there might be a leader leaning in, listening right now who's in a similar Mm -hmm. situation. There's a great opportunity. It's not bad. It's not evil. It's not wrong. But it might not be the God opportunity for this moment, which I think is so important. Having Mm -hmm. that, you know, you mentioned the gut intuition. Christians might say spiritual discernment. Um, That's really good. Um, Let's talk vision. You know, the power to influence and shape vision it can it can kind of go. It's a double edged sword, uh, capable yeah. of inspiring greatness and innovation, uh, and at the same time, it could foster conformity and stifle independent thought. How do external influences, including maybe even our heritage or our background, shape and mold a leader's vision? Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? Avail is proud to announce that for a limited time, you can get over $273 worth of leadership resources in the Avail Plus box for just $10 in shipping. Inside the Avail Plus box, you'll find leadership books, study guides, magazines, and other content that we know will equip you with everything you need to inspire, motivate, and guide your team to success. Stop putting off your leadership growth on the back burner and start investing in becoming the leader you were made to be. Learn practical strategies, knowledge, and leadership tools curated by some of the industry's leading experts. Take the first step in your leadership growth. Purchase your Avail Plus box today before they're all gone by visiting availbox.com. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, you know, it's it's easy for us as leaders um, to allow external voices to create blind spots, to make us myopic, if if we will, to mm-hmm. give us that narrow construct of a of a global worldview, especially if it's one that hinges to a dominant um, theology. And mm-hmm. if we're not careful, again, those blind spots will blind us from the bigger picture. That's what they're there for. Um, a few months ago, I was having trouble with my vision, and so I went to a new optometrist. He didn't know me; I'd never met him. They led me um, into the examination room. I sat in that chair, and he placed those ugly <laughs> four. <laughs> opters over my eyes. And as I was sitting there, he didn't look at my chart. We hadn't had any dialogue or discussion. And he immediately said, he said, oh, I see you're Irish. And I pushed back in that chair and I immediately had to discern, is this guy a doctor or a stalker? And I thought, and I asked him, I said, how in the world did you know that? I said, my ethnicity isn't on the chart. And I never will forget. He said, I can tell your heredity by the shape of your iris. He said, your history is responsible for shaping your vision. You know, and when you're a preacher, everything's a sermon. I thought, wait a minute, you're, you can just look into my eyes for a millisecond and you can tell that my history is responsible for shaping my vision. And so I went home and did what every uh, great research 
journalists would do. I Googled it. I found out he was 100% right. Over 2,000 genes depict our, um, wow. our make up our iris imprints mm. and more predictable. That's the reason we're opening our phones now with our eyes and, and, and not with our fingerprint. And I realized that our vision is not only a projection of what we see, but how we've been conditioned to see it. You know, they tell us that neuroscientists do that Leonardo da Vinci, he had a visual impairment that enabled him to see in a two and three dimensional um, vision that his eye, one which was outturned, allowed him to see in multi dimension. And the impairment that would normally place someone at a disadvantage allowed him access to a multi dimensional world. And I thought if God can use one man's impairment, To allow him to see things in a multidimensional way. What would happen if we took what we assumed are our frailties and our faults Mm -hmm. and things that were at a sub-level of living and place those, surrender those to God? What could he do? with our natural impairments if we surrendered them to him. Because sometimes what we consider to be a liability, God is saying, if you'll just surrender it, I want to use it as an asset. Quit just having tunnel vision and seeing your yourself through this lens of being less than or not enough. I want to use your weakness in spite of you. I want to use your weakness to your advantage. And so this year I have prayed Job 34, 32, which is a simple prayer. Job said, allow me to see what I cannot see. And that's been my prayer, Lord. Let me see that there is creativity and chaos. Teach me that there is value in my uniqueness and teach me most importantly, I'm still working on this one, (laughs) that there is purpose in my pain. pain. Let me be like Joseph who sees the purpose beyond the pain. That's so good. You know, I think, I think that these are lessons, um, that as leaders, if we embrace them, if we align with God's word, and not only will they make us more resilient leaders, but they will help us be more effective leaders because the people we're leading them, they're going through fears themselves. They're going through insecurities themselves. And, uh, and I think it's, I think it's huge. Um, specifically, you know, we're, we're focusing in on your book, Fearless. You use multiple stories to convey other fear beasts that we might face. Uh, And one that resonates with many leaders is the issue of imposter syndrome. Can you share a little bit here with our Avail audience why you addressed this topic and how, if we don't resolve it, it can affect the leader's ability to self-regulate and and kind of be balanced in their emotions? Sure. You know, imposter syndrome is such a hot topic issue. And to be very candid, a year, year and a half ago, I had no idea even what it was. But I learned... um, I had a revelation of how the enemy of our soul will will bet against our insecurities. He'll bet on them. Mm -hmm. And so imposter syndrome for our listeners who may not be familiar with it is the overwhelming feeling of self-doubt of and of fraudulence, despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Mm -hmm. And it often um, attacks those with high IQs and usually hits right after a major accomplishment. And it's a psychological phenomenon that reflects a belief that in somehow that we're inadequate or a complete failure. 
And so as I was studying this, it's so amazing how God uses such tangible, everyday experiences to illuminate something that we're reading, <laughs> something that we're studying. And a few winters ago, my husband and I, we were uh, vacationing in British Columbia. And it was always on my personal bucket list to go dog sledding. And so we did. And as we climbed into the uh, the little basket, I asked the musher, I said, well, how far can these dogs pull us a day? And he said, oh, they can go 120 miles um, a day. And I thought, wait, are you, are you, and I asked him again, I said, are you sure? He said, 120 miles um, a day. And I said, how in the world? And he said, well, you have to develop a team. He said, where each dog thoroughly understands their position on the team. Mm. He said, you see the dog with the red bandanas? He said, those are alpha males. He said, they, they don't work well with other males. And so we strategically put them on a team that is female driven. And he said, the trick is to establish a lead dog who will look over their shoulders and make sure that every other dog is pulling their weight. And so when we settled back into the basket, I noticed there was this little dog at the very rear. Her name was Lacey. And she was running sideways and she looked injured. She was limping. And so when we we stopped at the Great Divide and we got out and I asked the musher, I said, I said, I'm kind of worried about Lacey. She's running funny. Is she okay? And he kind of laughed. He said, oh, don't worry about her. She's fine. And and I said, are you sure? And he said, the truth is she's wired to be a lead dog. And he said, but she's still too young to lead. He said, so we put her in the back so that she'll learn how to lead at every position. And because she's in the back, she feels ineffective. She feels useless. And so she pulls against the neckline away from the gang line, which makes her feel makes her feel as if she is pulling more weight. And he said, we as the trainers laugh at her because she's wasting her time and energy trying to prove that she's useful. And he said, she'll never develop into a lead dog until she can see that she's useful in every position. And I thought, wow, the enemy of our soul will use things like emotional um, uh, imposter syndrome to have us walk away from the very thing that God is calling us to fulfill. He'll have us walk out of a room of influential men and women who have the power, one word, to literally change the trajectory of Mm -hmm. our lives. And if there's no one around to remind us who we are or what we're called to do, we'll self-implode right on the threshold of our greatest victory. Wow. That's such a great, you know, I don't, I don't think I'd ever read too much about, uh, about this, but I think it's great to understand how a concept like imposter syndrome can impact our leadership, our effectiveness. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and, and I think a lot of leaders can relate to feeling that way. Um, and I, I can think of some friends right now who, uh, are, are, are sometimes feeling, I got to do more. I got to push more. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. One of the things that I uh, enjoyed as I was getting to know a little bit more about you, Tracy, was just your passion for for preaching and treat and teaching the Word of God. Uh, we share that passion, uh, and I know I know recently you were in Cuba, Canada, mm-hmm. uh, also in the Middle East. Um, you know, you have this opportunity to be to to have a microphone in your hand, so to speak, and and speak to so many people in different parts yeah. of the world. I'm curious. Um, what what's what's a message a biblical message that transcends culture because i guess you kind of have to pray about and be sensitive to okay holy spirit what what are you asking me or calling me to speak to these people in this country in this city um have you found maybe there are messages that kind of transcend cultures and like everybody's like ready for it 
Yeah. You know, that that has been that's been the big hurdle. You know, I was uh, recently in Canada in a service. We it was trilingual. So we went from English to Spanish to French and the same was in Cuba. And so being able to bring to the table biblical perspectives that unite us rather than divide us more. Um, I think one of the key things that I've been preaching and teaching on this year was in Exodus chapter three. And um, it actually starts out with one of the most boring words in the entire English language. And it's it's the word meanwhile. I mean, and when you look at it, I mean, Moses was writing in first person narrative and he just throws this word meanwhile. Mm-hmm. And I think every leader can relate. I mean, what do you do when you're trapped between seasons, seasons of success, seasons of failure, all the things in between? And he's just writing and he goes, oh, by the way, meanwhile, and he's talking about about himself. He said, meanwhile, Moses was out in the wilderness leading his father-in-law sheep. And I thought, wait a minute, right there. It's one thing to lead our mess through the wilderness. It's a whole different category of leadership to drag other people's things through wilderness seasons. And it said that while, meanwhile, that while, while Moses was in a wilderness space, right, torn between what he was called to do and his past and what he should be doing, Right. All of a sudden it says that Moses sees this this flicker of fire on the horizon and Moses, I'm sure, rubbed his eyes and squinted into the sun and he leaned in and surely his eyes were playing tricks on him. I mean, and that's something I've discovered is that when we're walking through wilderness spaces in that middle of that meanwhile we think, am I really seeing what I think I'm seeing? Mm. And so Moses, curiously suspicious, it says, made his way towards the fire. And as soon as he got close to the fire, God called out his name. And I'm sure to Moses and that desert all along, alone with those few sheep, that God's voice sounded like thunder. And it probably felt like Moses was staring into the eyes of a lion. But it was in that moment of being curiously suspicious about the new thing that God was doing, that God began to lay out a sacred plan of how Moses, this obscure leader, this faulty leader at Mm -hmm. best, was going to deliver three and a half million people how God was going to show him he was going to create the biggest transfer of wealth that the world has ever known. And it was to me as a leader, it transcends all all cultures that one man who was the least suspecting, right, the least probably qualified, an ex-murderer, a prodigal on the run, Mm -hmm. he was caretaking someone else's stuff in the wilderness, that God hand-selected him, that God chose him out Mm. and placed him in a position to do um, the, the unthinkable. And I know that many times when we're in that meanwhile season, that we don't really pay attention to the small thing, the obscure thing Mm -hmm. that is on the horizon. And in 2023, I'm sure none of us are going to see trees on fire, but God will use holy disruptions to re-engage us with his power. And so often God will camouflage what he's doing so that we don't run away from the power of what he's wanting to do in and us through us. So my goal this year even in those meanwhile seasons, is to be attentive, to pay attention, to look for the new thing that God is doing on the horizon, to pay attention and to re-engage. Instead of running far, we lean in and we press forward to what God wants to do in and through us. 
That's so good. I love that's a good word. And that's a word that anybody on any continent in any country mm-hmm. in any Absolutely. city uh, can receive. Um, this has been awesome. I- I'd love to point people in the right direction, people that are interested in buying the book Fearless and mm-hmm. you know, leaning in, you know, to get to know more about you and, and your ministry and what you do. Uh, how can they do that? Sure. Thank you for that. Um, Tracy Mitchell dot anything, Tracy Mitchell dot com dot TV dot org dot net. T-R-A-C-E-Y Mitchell dot com. That's great. And and with the book Fearless, um, I'm asking because mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but are there any resources that are connected to Fearless to the book? Is there any accompanying resources? Um, yeah, the gr- the greatest pairing with that is Becoming Brave, How to Think Big, Dream Wildly, and Live mm. Fear Free. Those two have came out within a year of each other. Mm. Um, and they're both on our website. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. TracyMitchell.com, everybody. That, you, mm-hmm. you can go to .com or any of the other dots. Um, uh, and also, I wanted to mention, um, you know, if people want to see, you know, hear you speak or an upcoming event, they can find your your tour dates and all of that on the mm-hmm. website as well. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Under our events page right there at TracyMitchell.com. Beautiful. I want to ask you a couple of what I call lightning round questions, Tracy. They're just okay. quick, wow. kind of first, just first thought that comes to your mind. All right. So first, first, what do you like to do for fun? I like to do anything adventurous. We're going to South Lake Tahoe, going to climb the mountains and anything (laughs) adrenaline junkie. Yes. Very good. All right. What's uh, what's is there an online resource or app that has been helping you, whether it's personal for home or it's professional or leadership, anything that's catching your attention as an app or an online resource? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, I have hundreds. Um, <laughs> and of course, I can't think of any. Um, I know there's Big View Teleprompter. That helps a lot. <laughs> that helps a lot when you're recording video, yeah, right? It helps a lot when I'm recording media. Yeah. Yes. Anybody who needs to do some recording at home or you want to get better, Big View Teleprompter. I like that. All right. Yes. Here's another question. Is there is there a particular ministry or speaker or leader who's gotten your attention and you're learning from whether it's from a distance or you know from the content mm-hmm. that they're giving the you that you're learning from in this season um well yeah uh, one of my favorites while he was living was always miles monroe and so his uh, books on leadership on um on marriage are profound we're hosting a marriage um cruise in a few months and so i'm sure i'll be pulling from that shelf for sure <laughs> very good what makes you laugh Oh my, our grandchildren, a hundred percent. That's instant smile, instant energy. Yes. As you look ahead, what breaks your heart? Um, I recently watched Sound of Freedom and that destroys my heart. I'm yeah. hugely passionate about um, the effects of human human trafficking around the world um, and really leaning in to be much more involved than I have ever been before. That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Last question. What excites you or encourages you about the future? The fact that when I think about 6,000 years of humanity, that God has never left his people. Uh, despite geopolitics, despite um, earthquakes and famines and dark times, that is my anchor to know that God has never forsaken his people and he will never forsake us. I love that. 
Good word. Thank you for participating in the lightning round <laughs> questions. Hey, everybody, as you're leaning in, the book is Fearless. The website is tracymitchell.com. I'm going to mention the Avail Journal here at Avail. You might be one of our first-time listeners or viewers. If you're not subscribing to the Avail Journal, which is a Christian leadership magazine, what are you waiting for? The first year is on us, availjournal.com, where we have amazing articles from leaders that are amazing leaders, just like Tracy Mitchell. Um, Tracy, I'd love to finish off with a final nugget. What do, you, what do you want to leave on everybody's hearts here on the Avail podcast? Oh, wow. That's a great question. <laughs> um, you know, one of my my favorites to draw from is C.S. Lewis. And probably my most favorite quote from him, he said, there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and then counterclaimed by the enemy. And so that lets us know that as leaders, if we are marked for destiny, and if you're leading in any capacity that you are marked for destiny, that there will never be a moment when our destinies and our souls are not being fought over. And I wished I didn't have to say that, but that awareness um, is what will make us live aware. It'll help us be on guard. And then to know that we are not called to build personal empires, mm -hmm. but we are called to build the kingdom of God, knowing that every single inch is fought for by God, counterclaimed or tried to be counterclaimed by Satan. I live from that posture every day that I am not building my empire, but I am here to be a participant in building the kingdom of God. That's a good word. And may we all embrace that. This has been an awesome conversation. Uh, Tracy, on behalf of the Avail leadership team, on behalf of Dr. Sam Chand, Martin Van Tilburg, everybody who's behind the scenes here, we just want to say we're thankful for your life. Uh, we honor you and we pray that this book would impact so many lives. Thank you. It's been an honor to be with you today. So thankful. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Tracy Mitchell. On behalf of Avail, my name is Virgil Sierra. I'm the lead pastor of Vertical Church, Iglesia Vertical in South Florida. And I'm your host for this weekly podcast that comes out every single week fresh with an amazing leader, author, people who have a voice to impact God's kingdom in this time. Thank you for connecting with us. We hope to catch you next time right here on the Avail podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail podcast with our guest, Tracy Mitchell. You can find out more about Tracy on social media and by going to tracymitchell.com. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free trial subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail podcast host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast.